Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Pastor Josh, for having us. Um, uh, My wife, Bridget, uh, wanted me to greet you. Jamin's actually out of town speaking at a church in a discipleship series. She's like, I get to hear you all the time. I'm going to go hear my son. (laughs) So... Uh, but thank you so much. Uh, this church um, is very significant uh, in our lives. Every month, the support that you give us helps us to be an extension of Banner Church in Scottsdale. And we are so grateful for each and every one of you. When I walk through the doors here, uh, it just feels at home. And uh, I can't tell you um, what a good feeling that is to be able to come back and to have a home church like this and to see how it's thriving and growing and just to see the excitement here, and even in the early service, you know, I was so inspired uh, in that service as well. But uh, we are very grateful to be home for Jensen's wedding. He's the younger brother. He's getting married before Jamin. I don't know what happened. So uh, we were in D.C. Uh, for Jensen's wedding, and uh, him and his new wife, Hannah, are doing great, and uh, we're very proud of them. And and uh, what God is doing in their life and in their ministry. But um, I wanted to uh, mention to you um, as well, with the work that we're doing in Thailand, um, we've adopted uh, the banner uh, name and identity. We started the banner language school in this last year, and we've been able to reach Thais more effectively with teaching English, which so many of them want to learn English. And so our banner language center has been really an effective tool And uh, we are really, really excited about what God is doing. You know, Jesus' mission statement was so basic and simple, and it really is our mission statement as well, and that's to seek and to save the lost. And that's what we're called to do. And uh, we feel honored and privileged that well over three years now that we've been living and ministering in Thailand, uh, the church that uh, we lead there. Uh, has over 40 nationalities. The last time we counted, I think there was 42 nationalities. It's the most visited city in the world. It surpassed London and New York. 2019, there was 40 million people that came through Thailand. Uh, tourism is huge there. And so it's a very international city. So every time I preach on any given Sunday morning, I feel like I'm preaching to the world and uh, in an international uh, sense. And uh, we're just so grateful for that. I want to speak to you this morning um, about a topic that really has driven our faith uh, for the past three years in our ministry. When you're going to something new, and some of you have experienced transitions and changes, some of you might be new to this community, and sometimes it's, it's hard to know when you've been down a path or a direction that maybe is new, and it's unknown and in that. But there's a phrase that has become very familiar to Bridget and I over the years that has really been a catalyst to our faith, and that's the word great expectation. And for this coming year of 2022, can I challenge you, can I encourage you in your faith, can I exhort your faith to make sure that each and every day that you're you're living with expectancy of what God is going to do. But here's the thing about great expectations is that oftentimes God will lead us down paths that we didn't know existed, that we didn't know were there. 
and sometimes it wasn't in our plan. It wasn't in our schedule. But that's the beauty about the kingdom of God, is that he will oftentimes lead us down a path that is unknown, but it's in those places where we see some of the greatest miracles. Um, I can say to you as well that if you dare to do the ridiculous, God will do the impossible. And we live by that, and in um, really just a life that is filled with faith. So I, I want to encourage you this morning, if you turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. And, I, and again, I just want to honor your pastor and his wife. And they truly have shepherd's hearts. And uh, we are really proud of this couple and the leadership that they have brought here and how they've taken this church just to new levels. And I am so extremely proud of them and just inspired when I come back home and I see what you guys are doing and your vision, your leadership. Thank you, Pastor Josh. It's very meaningful to us. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again. And because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, so now we live with great expectation. That is really the next step after coming to faith as a believer. If you're a new believer here this morning, you would understand this, that I know that when I was a little boy and I got saved, I, it was filled with so much expectation. It's like, what is God going to do next in my life? You know, what door is he going to open? I mean, there was, when there's a transformation in our life through the gospel of Jesus Christ, there automatically comes with that. And Peter understands this because he's writing this letter to new believers that have been scattered abroad. And he understands that they need to be reminded and exhorted to live with this expectation each and every day. Now what? Well, we live with this expectation. And there's a quote that many of you probably have read before, but it's that you get what you expect. <laughs> you get what you expect. There's a, a young couple that came to our church just two months ago. And we, you know, we've been locked down like so many churches and doing church online, and that whole experience is, has um, been crazy. But we were able to open up the church again in early November. And there was a couple that, that came. There's a lot of new people that came that were just searching for something more. We live in a country that's predominantly Buddhist. And this couple, this Buddhist couple, young couple, he's a, a Singaporean. He teaches at one of the international schools in Bangkok, and his wife is Thai, and they came. And the Spirit of God just moved in such a powerful way in that service, and they both came to Christ, and it was just so beautiful to see that happen. And especially for someone who is formerly a Buddhist to come to Christ, it's a big deal, especially for a Thai. And uh, we baptized them just one month ago in early December, uh, we baptized them, and there's a picture uh, of her. Her name is Cherry, and uh, we did, her and her husband both, we baptized together uh, that morning, and it was just really, uh, their testimony was so powerful as they were sharing, and we did communion that day as well, and he asked me, he said, Pastor, what is communion? I mean, he doesn't know, he has no biblical background or knowledge whatsoever, and he's just, just this baby Christian learning how to crawl. And so I, 
I started discipling them, and I used a program called Safar, and it, it means in Persian journey, and it's, it's a program that we use, and we take them through steps. There's 30 steps, and every week we meet, and there's like 30 weeks of this program. It's very intense, and he's in the very early stages, and so I've been uh, doing Zoom calls with him since I came to Arizona. I didn't want to lose any momentum with them because they're, they're just growing Christians, and so I called him last week, and we did... Um, got set up for the step, just number four. We're on step number four into the fourth week. And I asked him, I said, well, tell me what God's been doing in your life. And he said, well, my wife and I, we went up to the northeast of Thailand and, um, to visit her village where she is from in the northeast. Very few believers in that part of Thailand. And nobody had to teach this to her or him, but they naturally just want to share their faith of what Jesus has done in their life. You know, I mean, it's a changed life. And when they were up there, um, they saw this lady in the village, and she looked very frail. And they really, he says, I felt like the Lord really lead us to go over there and talk to her and said, you know, it looks like she hasn't been eating. And she, in fact, said to them, I haven't been able to eat. I have cancer. I've been on chemotherapy. I can't keep food down. And his wife said to him, maybe we could pray for her. And, he, and he's asking me on the, on the phone, he's, Pastor, is that okay that I do that? <laughs> it's like, we haven't got to that step yet, you know? And, uh, and I'm listening to his story, and so they just prayed for her, a simple prayer, you know, and they're just learning the basics and everything. Well, they came back to Bangkok after that trip, and this lady called his wife, the lady that's in that picture, and said, I wanted to tell you that after you prayed for me, I went home, I had an appetite, I ate food, I was able to keep it down, and then I went to the doctor that week and got checked, and the doctor told me that I'm cancer-free. And I'm just like, wow, this was just last Friday night, you know, I'm talking to him about this, and again, he's like, Pastor, I hope I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> it's just so innocent. And it's just, it's why we do what we do, to seek and to save the lost. And here's this couple. They're already being led by the Holy Spirit to share their faith and their village. In fact, there's another part of the story I didn't share in the early service that I, I forgot about. She also got a call this uh, last week as well from the shaman in the village. It's like the witch doctor, this lady there. And she was upset, and she said, you know what? The spirit that lives in my house that I commune with told me I'm leaving because the people of this village are starting to pray to Jesus and not me. And so God is moving in these realms, and I, I'm always amazed when I see this, and it's just such a work of the Holy Spirit that our job is just to preach Jesus, not some new idea, but just the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, and then we just let the Holy Spirit do the work. And there's been many just remarkable salvations like that in this past year, especially during COVID. When we went into the whole COVID quarantine situation, I told my team, and they're all, all of our team are volunteers at the church. And I said, you know what? We're not going to look at this situation that we're just going to survive it, but we're going to thrive. And there's an expectation that rose up in our hearts that during COVID quarantines and all the shutdown and all that, even though the church is meeting online, we're not going to just survive. We're going to thrive. And that's, in fact, what God did. And we just lived with that expectation every day. The Greek word for expectation is prodokia. And it's an interesting word in the Greek. It, it means earnest expectation, anticipation, or expectancy. Now, I've heard there's some expectant mothers 
uh, here at the church. And, and you love that when you're expecting and going to have a baby and you're preparing and you're thinking ahead and making all the preparations for a baby to be born. There's, there's that joy of expectancy that, of what's going to happen. And I, I want to just exhort you again that in this coming year that your prayers need to be filled with expectancy. Your conversations filled with great expectation. I don't know how God's going to do this, but I know that he's going to do it. And we've got to raise the level of our expectancy and our faith because the time is short. And we know that Jesus is coming soon and there's an urgency. Now, I get it that there are unfair expectations as well. And I, as a pastor over the years, I mean, believe me, I felt many times people put unfair expectations on myself and even my children I've had to tell people look don't expect my kids to walk on water you know <laughs> not yet anyway and uh, you know that perfect and I and I, I get that but in the kingdom with the promises of God we can put our faith and expectation in the promises of his word it may not be the timing that we would like but as we patiently wait on the Lord we wait in expectancy there was a prayer of a little boy that says, Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. That's an unfair expectation. When I was in college, I remember at ASU, they talked about the expectancy theory of motivation. That even in the business world, that, you know, expectancy is something that they try to utilize to have a higher level of performance uh, with employees. And the expectancy theory of motivation, basically, it's a belief that individuals will choose their behaviors based on what they believe will lead to the most beneficial outcome. But the same in the kingdom of God, that we have the ability to change our thinking, our behaviors, and we can forge out our faith and great expectation in our prayers, in our conversation, and we do really get what we expect. Even though it's not, you know, the puppy, we might get the baby brother instead. It might be something different, but God most certainly knows what it is that we need, but an expectation is like a catalyst for our faith, and I, I've learned with the opposition that we have experienced uh, in Thailand uh, especially that we have to live with a great faith. Developing a positive expectancy, it will, it will build that faith. Now, the context, when Peter writes this letter, he's writing this letter in verse number 1 of chapter 1. He says, I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners. There were Christ followers who were scattered abroad because of their faith in Jesus, and there was tremendous persecution that scattered them, and the Bible says it, you know, shows that it was really a path they were not expecting. So Peter's writing them to encourage them, to encourage them as new believers that are scattered like foreigners abroad. And he's reminding them the importance of this great expectation. It's the unexpected path that really reveals what's inside of you. How many found that to be true? <laughs> That, that thing that was unexpected, that I didn't see it coming, I never planned for this. And oftentimes I think God allows that so that God already knows what's inside of our heart, and he knows where the level of our faith is, 
but he wants us to see it sometimes. And we get down an unexpected path. Oftentimes we can see it so that we can make adjustments or corrections and so that God will show us that you need to put your trust in me more fully, not trust in your own ability. We don't need faith for what we can do. Now, we can do a lot of things, but we need faith for what we cannot do. Somebody say amen to that. You need faith for what you can't do. And there's so many things that we want to accomplish and we want to do in the kingdom and in the church and ministry, and the Lord's like, you're in a good place to put your faith in me and with that expectation. It's off the beaten path where God wants to deliver us from any of those negative um, unbelief thoughts that erode our faith, it's what we would also call the un, you know, off the beaten path. Now, I've been on trips with my wife more, more often than not where I took the shortcut or the road that was kind of off the beaten path, and then Bridget's like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, I know where I'm going, you know. And I even uh, changed my GPS to the male voice because I thought, I've already got Bridget telling me how to drive, and then I've got the GPS to my, so I changed it to a male voice with a British accent, just to kind of get like that. I've been off those, off the beaten path experiences, and it can quickly erode our expectation in our faith. There's a people group, and there's, we have, over 40 nationalities, but there's one particular group where we have seen God really move in a powerful way. It's our Pakistani community in our church. And we started a Pakistani fellowship on Sunday afternoons and so they could worship in their language, their heart tongue, their heart language. It's very meaningful when they can worship in their, or their heart tongue, which is Urdu. But many of them and their stories are so compelling live in a you know place where there's tremendous persecution of the church that scattered many of them have lost family members that have been killed for their faith in Christ many of them literally their houses have been burned down and to hear their stories and so they come to Bangkok as refugees seeking asylum in a country that will take them where they can have a safe place to raise their children and to you know have freedom of worship now, not all of them were Christians in Pakistan. Some of them got saved at our church because they were invited by other Pakistanis in the community. But this is a Christmas outreach that we did. We had between 60 and 70 of them in our Christmas outreach. And we have a compassion ministry that touches the life of refugees in Bangkok City. And it's been really fruitful for us and to, to see them and how they've grown in the Lord and they're there and many of them are illegal. They, they you know, they surpass their visa stay, but they stay there because they don't want to go back uh, to Pakistan. And we've also been able to really reach um, the Iranian group. We have an Iranian community in our church as well. And many of you might have read or heard that the Iranian church is the fastest growing church in the world. In the country of Iran itself, it's, it's unprecedented of how many Iranians are coming to Christ. We only read the negative stuff about uh, Iran oftentimes in the news, but many of the Iranians that have come to Bangkok as well doing business and traveling there and tourism, and remarkably, we've been able to encounter many of those Iranians, and one, just one story, was a young man named Hassam, and he goes by Sam. 
And Sam started attending our church about nine months ago, and he came every Sunday, would sit in the back, and I tried for several months just to try to get coffee with him, and he was very careful and cautious and even suspicious because many of them are being watched by the government, and they're very cautious, but he just kept coming. And after all those months, I finally got him to agree to go have coffee with me to meet up with him. I wanted to get to know this, this Iranian. And we sat down in this coffee shop, and, and, um, and, we get to, uh, and I began to talk to him, and I asked him, I said, Sam, what, what has kept you coming back to the church? All of these Sundays, you come, and, you know, and I'm thinking in my mind, maybe he'll say, it's just your great sermons that, you know, I come back. And he didn't say anything about my messages, but he said, you know, Pastor, the thing that just keeps bringing me back is I see the joy on the faces of the people in the church, and I know that it's real. And he goes, and, I, and I, I've never seen anything like it, the joy. And as we were sitting there talking, I felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, cast the net. How many know that when you're in those setting like that and God says, cast the net, you're in a crowded coffee shop, I'm thinking logically, you know, Holy Spirit, can you wait till we just step outside in a more private place before I cast the net? But I know from experience, delayed obedience is disobedience. And so I thought, I'm going to cast the net. In the, in the middle of this crowded coffee shop. And so I did, and I just said, Sam, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, would you allow me to pray with you and lead you in a relationship with Jesus Christ and introduce you to Jesus? And immediately, without hesitation, he said yes. I just grabbed him by the hand, and I led him in a salvation prayer in the middle of that coffee shop, and you could see this transformation that took place. We baptized him. And he's been inviting some of his other Iranian friends to the church. And we're seeing our Iranian community begin to grow uh, dramatically. And we're so excited about what God is doing in that realm. I think that oftentimes, if we live in a world that is very negative, I mean, you turn on the TV and the news and there's so much negativity and there's disunity and, oh, you know, we see how the enemy is working in so many places around the world, creating disunity and negativity and all these things of unbelief. But as a believer, we need to be a light in the darkness where we shine, where we live with a great expectation. We live with hope. We live with faith and we live with the joy that the world doesn't understand. He's writing to them. It's the unexpected path that really reveals this. And in Psalm 77, 19, the Bible says that your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, listen, a pathway that nobody knew existed. As they're standing there with the Egyptian army behind them, the Red Sea before them, they're sandwiched in between two impossible circumstances, and they thought they were going to die. And Moses lifts up his staff, and he says, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. God parts the sea, and there's a path that nobody knew existed. I believe that this is what is happening with the church, especially present day, that and I, I really need to hear this word, a pathway that no one knew was there. Great expectations of the promised land were dashed for a moment as they faced an impossible obstacle. Their expectation was Moses is going to lead us out. It's going to be no problem. We're going to leave everything behind. We're going to go into the promised land and start enjoying this land of milk and honey and prosperity. But little did they know that there was a few little tests along the way. And one of them was the Red Sea. 
and many more after that in the wilderness. But in this experience, it was a path that no one knew was there. And I have a word for you this morning. There's a pathway that no one knew was there, and God will reveal it to each one of you. And you perhaps could be on the threshold or on the cups of a situation where it's like, God, I, I feel like my hope is dissipated. I feel like my joy is no longer there or, or whatever it is that you're facing. And when I get in those situations, I remind myself, like, you know, standing there like a Moses, Lord, show me a path that nobody else knew was there and opened that path for my life. It's a word for all of us this morning. It's a word for the ministry. It's a word for the church. We have the philosophy that if we dare to do the ridiculous, God will do the impossible. There's a pathway that no one knew was there. It's a pathway that will reveal miracles and exceed our greatest expectations. And Peter is revealing this pathway that even though you don't see right now, it awaits you. Look in verses 6 and 7 of 1 Peter. He says, so be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead. Okay, because faith and expectation, we don't look in the natural, but we look with the eyes of faith, with expectation. You're going to endure trials for a while. These trials are, are going to show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring praise and glory and honor on that day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I believe that Peter simply gives us all a perspective here today. First of all, the point I want to make is that stop cursing your test. Stop complaining about your test. When they got to the wilderness, they started murmuring and complaining. And it was like the death nail in the coffin, literally, because... That will always precede a spirit of unbelief. We have to be so careful that we don't fall into a place of complaining and negativity on that. We can't curse our test, but it will open a door of unbelief. And that's exactly what it did with the children of Israel. And many times I have felt rebuked by the Holy Spirit. Stop cursing your test. This is not a setback, but the Lord says it's a setup. Amen. It's a setup. And if they could only seen that God brought them there to test them so they could see what was in their heart, that they could have made it to the promised land, that generation, but none of them made it in that generation. It was the Joshua generation that went on. Stop cursing your test, but embrace it and stand there and know that there's a pathway that no one knew could have existed for your life and for your future. Number two, a higher level of faith doesn't come without a crisis. <laughs> a higher level of faith doesn't come without a crisis. And I, I can say from experience, I could share stories all morning long about different kinds of crisis that, that actually increased my faith. It, it brought me to a, another level. It made me uncomfortable. It made me a little angry. It, it made me you know, almost get angry at God sometimes and the people around me. It's like, I, I don't deserve this and all that. But it was in the midst of that where I would get a hold of God and hear his voice and what he was saying. I want to share a little secret with you. 
when you're in the midst of a test or a trial or suffering or whatever it is that you're going through, if you really humbly go before the Lord and ask God, what are you trying to teach me? It will shorten the test and the trial. It will be much shorter, and he'll take you out of it much quicker when you do that. And oftentimes when I've done that and I've gone before the Lord, it's like, God, I don't understand and, and everything. And many times I feel like what the, the Lord will speak to me is, is I just want you to trust me. Just, just wait on me. Just trust me. And it seems like God would break me out of it much quicker when I would just put my complete trust in him during that time. Number three, your faith and expectation is more precious than gold. <laughs> it's more precious than gold. This expectation, this faith that we possess, you know, as a church and as believers, it's God looks at it as something more valuable. It's like you're putting your faith and trust in something that you can't really see or feel. Or It's like, man, you're, you're walking in faith each and every day, and your emotions are telling you that this is crazy to do this. And God looks at that, and it's like, wow, they're putting their trust in me and my word and my promises. That is so precious. That is so much more valuable than gold. In the novel that Charles Dickens wrote called Great Expectations, some of you may have read that. It's about an orphan named Pip. And it's a great book because it has themes about wealth and poverty. It has themes about love and rejection and overcoming evil with good. And, and you know, it's just a great novel that, that he wrote. But there's one particular quote in the, the book, Great Expectations, that I love. He says, I have been bent and broken, but I hope into a better shape. I've been bent and broken, but I hope. There's the expectation into a better shape. Hallelujah. One of the areas that we do ministry in, and Bridget is, really leads this, of the sealed ministry in the, the red light area, and m many of you would know that Bangkok is probably the number one city in the world where sex trafficking is so prevalent, and there's young girls that have been trafficked from all over the world um, in Bangkok. If you go to the red light area of Bangkok City on any given night, there's thousands of young girls and even boys that are out on the streets uh, selling themselves, and it's, it's a very dark area of the city. And it's really overwhelming and to go in with any sense of expectation, like, God, how can you do anything in this dark, dark place? How can we reach these people? And it, it seems dismal, but our team, they've learned Bridget will take them down early Saturday morning. They go down when everything is shut down, and they do a prayer walk with the team on, on Saturday morning. They'll spend a few hours down there praying, and then they come back, and then in the evening, the very same team, they go back again in the evening when everything is opened up, and they do ministry. And through the favor of God, we've been able to get a lot of favor with a lot of the madams that oversee those brothels, and they've invited the team to come in and to pray with these girls and to minister to them. And in, in that picture, I think you can see Bridget there and in, in, in ministry and in some of the places that we go in. We do compassion ministry in there on that. And there's many stories of, of rescues and how God has moved in one of the darkest areas of the city. But we know that the light shines the brightest in these dark places. Her name is Anna, and she's from Columbia. And she had children that she couldn't take care of. And 
was looking for a better life and a job, and she left Colombia and South America and came to Asia with a promise of a good job that she could send money home to her family. But like many young girls on a, out there, and she was disillusioned, they took her passport, and they began to traffic her, and it wasn't the job that she was expecting. I still can't even wrap my arms around some of the, the situations that we see because of the, the shame and the guilt that these young girls experience. Anna came to the church, and we've invited many of them to come, and there's many in the church that people don't even know. They, they, they don't want it revealed what they do or what they used to do. We have a lady right now that we've just been loving on. She's a young girl. She's only 20 years old. She's from Uzbekistan in Central Asia. She was trafficked in Bangkok, and she just come, and she just, we just love her. And really, the theme is this. We, we love them to life. We just love people to life. But Anna was saved, and, and I'll never forget, and I was looking down from the platform at the right side of our church, and she just put her arms around Bridget, and she was just sobbing uncontrollably, and, and it was just one of the most moving things. And I thought to myself, I said, this is why we do what we do. This is why we do what we do. And we hear this a lot, like, can God really forgive me? all the things that I've done. But the blood of Jesus Christ we know is as fresh today as it was 2,000 years ago. And the forgiveness and the healing that comes and she was baptized and now she has a, a legitimate job as a nanny taking care of children and we've seen this transformation with, with Anna and it's why we do it's to seek and to save the lost. The expectation every time Bridget takes her team in on a Saturday, there's just an expectation of divine appointments, divine encounters, divine miracles. You have to go in with that expectation because the opposition and the darkness is so great. Just one of many, many, many stories. Isaiah 64, verses 3 and 4, is a verse that if I encourage you to write it down and put it by your bedside or on your refrigerator, it's, it's a verse that is very meaningful for us as believers. Isaiah 64, 3 and 4. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds that were beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. And since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait on him. When I did a, a charge for ministry and a blessing for Jensen and, and Hannah at their wedding, my opening statement was this, because it's just such a part of, of our DNA with what we do. And I looked at him in tears, and I just said, as a son, you've exceeded my expectations. To hear that from a father, you've exceeded my expectations. But Father God, in the same way, when he looks at us and in the church, he's like, you know what? I can do deeds that will go beyond our highest expectations. And, and sometimes we don't hear this enough that God is pleased with you. He's pleased with you. 
We need that affirmation from a heavenly Father that I created you and, and I'm working in your life. No, you're not perfect. and We're, we're all a project and a, and a work that's ongoing. I mean, God is still working on me and he's working on all of us. But thank God for his grace and his mercy and his patience as he teaches us to even walk on these paths that nobody ever knew about. In picture number four, I, I wanted to just show this because this, before Bridget and I went to Thailand, we really thought we were going to go to India. We were pursuing a path, honestly, to go to India. And the Lord just shut all the doors, and we couldn't understand why. And then this door opened up in Thailand, and we knew that God was in it. But I remember praying prayers with expectation. God, I, I we have such a heart for the Indian community. We've done a lot of ministry in India and, and over the years. And I said, God, I just pray that you would give me fruit, Indian, you know, Indians in our church. And this family here was a car and Anita and their two sons. They came to Christ in our church. I'll never forget that he's a, there, it's a Sikh family. He works at a Sikh international school. And I remember in the lobby after a service, and I was talking to him. It was another one of those moments where the Holy Spirit just said, cast the net. I'm in the crowded lobby. And I looked at him, and I said, would you let me pray with you and lead you to Christ? His, his wife came to Jesus several months before that, and we just started praying for him. She said, pray for my husband. And he wasn't coming to the church at all, but he came. And in the lobby, I was able to lead him to Jesus Christ of the church. And this family, this was in our apartment. And the day before, literally, we had uh, an Indian Christmas party at our apartment up until like 10 o'clock at night. Then we got up at 3 in the morning and, and left to come to Arizona. It was like right before Christmas. And we had between 30 and 40 of our Indian community there in the apartment. And uh, I just do it for the food alone. No, it's, uh, they bring. But this is a sweet, beautiful family. They're from Punjab, India. And they found Jesus in Thailand. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul, as he's coming to the end of his ministry and there was still that expectation in his heart that never waned it never ceased in Paul's life he says in in Philippians 120 I, I fully expect and hope that I'll never be ashamed and that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past his ministry never retracted it it was the same passion it was the same boldness it was the same intensity to the very end of his life and his ministry and he says I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or whether I die there's a very well-known missionary named Dr. Sam Sasser that maybe some of you have known or you can even google his name and there's stuff that will come up and of Sam Sasser he was a missionary in the Marshall Islands. He uh, planted uh, 26 churches. He traveled and ministered in 62 different countries. And he was just this man that was always so filled with such great expectation and faith that God's going to move and God's going to do this. And he just had such a, a confidence. And it wasn't a self-confidence. Because let me know there's a difference between self-confidence and just a God-confidence. And the God confidence just oozed from his life. And before he died, he told his family, I, I want you to take my heart and I back to the Marshall Islands and I want you to bury my heart in the Marshall Islands because that's where my heart is. And they did that. 
And the prayer that was read was a prayer at his funeral that was filled with such great expectation. And I wanted to read this to you because even though he died, his expectation, his vision, his faith continues to live on even today. He said, now that I've gone to God, I ask that you remember these things. Bury my body, but don't bury my love. Bury my eyes, but not my vision. Bury my feet, but not the path of my life. Bury my hands, but don't bury my efforts. Bury my shoulders, but not the concern I carried. Bury my voice, but don't bury my message. Bury my mind, but don't bury my dreams. Bury me, but don't bury my life. If you must bury something, bury my sins and my weaknesses, but let my love for each of you continue on in Jesus. I love this prayer. I love this heart of this man that gave his life for the sake of the kingdom. But the thing that marked him and that he was known for was his faith and expectation no matter what the opposition, no matter what the circumstances. And the word of the Lord, I believe, for you today is that if you stand there, that God will show you a path that you never knew existed. And he will take you into the promised land. He will take you into the fulfillment of your destiny and your life. And he wants you to be in that place where your total trust and your faith is on him and teach us how to live a life of expectancy. As our worship team comes this morning, I want to remind you that David, you can see in Psalm chapter 5, he would get up and he said, Lord, I, I you know, hear my prayers and I expect that you will answer my prayers. He lived each and every day, David did, with this expectancy that God will hear my voice and he will answer my prayers. David found the secret. He understood that his life, his prayers were filled with great expectation. As I prepare to go back to Thailand in this next week, I have an expectation to experience things we've never experienced, to be able to seek and to save the lost in areas of the city that we've never been, that we will experience moments of, of his presence and his power in such a way that it will go beyond our highest expectations. It will supersede our highest expectations. Father, we thank you this morning for what you're doing in this church. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is life. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is truth. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's expectation and faith. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the place you'll make a way where there is no way. And I pray, God, that our hearts would be filled with expectation and faith this morning. Would you stand with me as Pastor Josh leads us in this? And I, I want to make an invitation this morning that some of you may be standing at a threshold or maybe you're at a crossroads or an intersection of your life and it's like, wow, I don't know. This is a path I'm not familiar with, but God is going to 
open up a path that nobody knew existed for your life and your situation. He doesn't want you to be in a place of long-term discouragement or defeat in any such way, but God wants to show you a path that you never knew existed. If you're here this morning, I, I just want to pray a prayer of impartation with anybody who would like to come to the altar today. And, and just let me pray over you, just an impartation. God, open a path that they never knew existed and see what the Lord will do. That's you there, and you just want that encouragement that the Lord knows exactly where you're at. Please come this morning. Let us pray with you. Let us pray impartation in Jesus' name as we worship together. Amen. Just feel free to come at this time. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.